can't be taking people's meat, bro. You can't just, you got to let people give it to you. You know what I mean? My mom got caught with 10 kilograms of cocaine and seven gallons of PCP. Damn. Going to Philadelphia. She got caught on the 40 in Oklahoma. I was talking to Charlemagne on the Breakfast Club, and he was like, yeah, that's what they're doing. No, they are not doing that in right. these ghettos. Now, I haven't seen a movement of ghetto people painting their nails. I see the <laughs> artists doing that, and it's just misrepresenting the ghetto. You're now tuned into YouTube's favorite, Lionel B. The Lion B Show. All right, y'all, coming to the show, we got a West Coast legend. He's been on Madden. Y'all heard him on Grand Theft Auto Five. He's been in the game for decades, dropping tracks with Snoop, Dre, E-40, Too Short, Akon, Kendrick Lamar, the late, great Nipsey Hussle, Rick Ross, Birdman, and the list goes on and on. Y'all, he's controversial. He hates nail polish on men and niggas that try to look better than women. Ladies and gentlemen, we got my man in here, Glasses Malone. Glasses, what's good with you? Man, I'm cooling, man. What's happening, dog? Man, chilling, bro. It's, it's, it's definitely amazing, man, to be in the building with a West Coast legend, man. I'm definitely been a West Coast fan, you know what I'm saying, ever since NWA, Easy e I remember my cousin, man, RIP to him, man. He bought me my first Easy e tape. I was like eight or nine. Well, not eight, uh, sorry, not, not Easy e uh, NWA tape. I was like eight and nine, man. So Florida, man, we've been rocking with the West Coast for, for years. So bro. one of the most important names you mentioned that you forgot mm. to mention was Little Wayne. Little mm. Wayne taught me the most and, and really put me, I, I never got as much humility as I did with being in the studio with Little Wayne. Little why, Wayne why, why, why like, Little Wayne though? Because he was like better than everybody. You feel me? Like he was just an animal, dog. His, his work ethic is impeccable. His, um, his commitment to it, you know what I mean? It's, it's it's like watching a true master work. And and I know that sounds crazy, but it's really important to mention Lil Wayne because that that's when I realized I needed to get a lot better, you know, being in the studio wow. with Lil Wayne. So he made he made he made you step it up, man. Like just shit, he almost made me quit. You. Yeah, he almost made wow. me quit. That motherfucker was that good, man. Shout out to mm-hmm. Game, because Game is is somebody else that I've worked with. But I started mm-hmm with Face, G-Ride, and Game helping me launch my career with Black Wall Street. And right. at that time, I really thought Game was an A-plus rapper, and I thought mm. I was a B-minus rapper. You know, I knew he had been rapping longer, and he was dope. And he had just sold a gold record in one week. And mm. I remember feeling like that, like Game is the upper echelon of it, even though he had started rapping seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I signed with Cash Money Records in 2007, eight, you know what I mean? And I was in the studio with Wayne that I realized you no know, game is a B minus. Little Wayne is an A plus, And I was a D. Mm. You know what I mean? And that was a hell of a reality check of how great, you know, hip hop and rap can be at its, at its top levels. You know what I'm saying? So far as like working with Lil Wayne, what did you notice about him that made you say like, damn, okay, this dude here a beast? So he put together all the raps in his head. That's where I got that from. You know what I mean? He's not writing it down. He's putting mm. together all the raps in his head. 
Um, you could take anything going on in the room and turn it into a rap. Um, game is like you'd be hard pressed to get a better 16 than the game. The game is going to give you a fantastic 16. Little Wayne is going to give you just as great of a 16, but also a top tier chorus to make it a better record. Spaces, mm. breaks, bridges. Like he knows how to construct records and MC at the highest level. And yeah. like I said, he doesn't pick which beat he likes. Like he don't got to be into it. He's such a professional. If there's something for him to work in that beat, he could turn it into a record fast. That's crazy. And his punchline, man, top tier, bro. His punchline, that's that's yeah. like he got that rewind type music where you got to rewind and be like, damn, you heard what he just said, though? That's a bad man, dog. It's crazy. a bad man. Well, that's amazing, man, that you know what I'm saying? You, you've you been in the buildings, you know what I'm saying, with a lot of legends, man, and it helped definitely elevate your game, man. That's that's a blessing in itself right there. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, bro, tell me now what happened to hip-hop, man, and what do you feel like it's going to take to get hip-hop back to – a better genre, uh, should I say, for lack of a better word. Uh, Kanye West happened to hip hop. Kanye and, West? Yeah, and his disciples are not him. You know, it was already pushing it, the envelope with just him, but his disciples are not him. They're different people who come from different walks of life. Hip hop got really middle class, really middle class really suburban. It went very Theo Huxtable, very Eddie Winslow, you know, and it used to be the voice of the ghetto, not just criminals, but, you know, crime, how crime influenced all life. You know what I mean? And create the lingo, the fashion, that poverty, that oppression, you know, it was that combination. And right. some of the guys went to college from those same circumstances. And, you know, some of them did live in suburban communities, but they bordered the ghetto. You know what I mean? And they understood how important it was to speak for the poorest people. And eventually it just got middle class and it got super oppressive to other poor people. And hip hop used to be the voice of poor people. Now it's like, you know, people just floss on poor people. And I think that's what happened. That's that's deep, man. Like, I, I didn't really think about it like that. I mean, of course, you know, we always hear about rappers bragging about different things and making everybody feel broke as hell. But you putting it like that, man, it definitely make a lot of sense. Like, I think that kind of turns, like you said, a lot of the poor people, a lot of people in the hood kind of away from certain artists because they talk about sometimes things that's not even attainable and they don't even tell you how to get it. They just, like you said, they flossing in your face with it. And don't get me wrong, in the 80s, New York rap was like that. It was very imaginative. I owned the, you know, you knew it was over the top. I owned the you know, the Madison Square Garden, you know, it was over the top, but right. it wasn't as oppressive towards poor people. It wasn't like me and broke niggas, you know, shout out to change, but it wasn't me and broke people don't get along. You know, it wasn't yeah. as oppressive and disrespect, disrespectful to poor people. Now it's totally disrespectful and insulting people that are not doing great. And I just don't like that. And I think that's what's wrong with hip hop. That's the cornerstone. And it's because it is moving to a middle class suburban type experience. It is being gentrified by people who don't represent the ghettos and, and they don't come from the ghettos. They just, you know, like a person from the ghetto that was doing it and decided they wanted to do it. And and I think that's what's wrong with hip hop. It's being gentrified and we're seeing it happen. Same thing that happened to rock and roll. Yeah, your new album, Cancel These Nuts. Yeah. Why do you feel like that album is is so important at, at a time like this? What made you want to drop it at this particular time? 
Uh, the ghetto is under attack. There's a lot of people that's, you know, the whole world, not only just America, but the whole world understood hip hop was the voice of ghetto people. You know, that, that was showing them how we partied in the ghetto. It was showing them our struggles in the ghetto. It was showing them the things that we didn't agree with in the ghetto. That's what it was all about. And now it's at this really weird middle class place where it's like um, it's not any longer. You know what I'm saying? So this album is important because you watch an artist come with fingernail polish. Again, we're not talking about men that think they're women. We're not talking about even gay men. We're talking about men that at this point are just doing anything for attention and impeding right. on women's beauty standards. So I feel like this was the time to really usher in some accountability, you know, masculinity. It, it was time. Um, it's too many of the rappers that are supposed to be from the ghetto and supposed to represent the streets that's doing shit that's out of line. Getting hugged by white people from the back, wearing dresses, and not being accountable for their own crimes. You know what I'm saying? Telling other people, painting their fingernails. And people think this is what's going on in our culture, in these ghettos. They think the whole world think that's what's going on. <laughs> I was talking to Charlemagne on The Breakfast Club and he was like, yeah, that's what they doing. No, they are not doing that in right. these ghettos, not in the ghettos of Atlanta, not the dudes I know. They not. I haven't seen a movement of ghetto people painting their nails. I see the <laughs> artists doing that and it's just misrepresenting the ghetto. Like they right. are not representing their ghettos correctly. And I don't like that. Right. That's why I canceled these nuts was needed. It's the first socially charged album in the history of hip hop. Just all social commentary, not just social commentary, but socially charged where it's a line in the sand. Like, yo, if you on this side of the line, here go a rock right at your fucking head. Now, do you feel like you would want to turn that more into an actual movement to kind of reclaim hip hop? Like, do you feel like Cancel These Nuts can spawn other projects or maybe you and some other artists could, you know, potentially push that out more? Well, I think that's what me and the L.A. Giants do well, you know, bringing masculinity back, being, right. you know, knowing how to change a tire, how to change a spark plug, you know, mow your own line, you know, mm -hmm. true masculinity, empowerment, not laziness, not convenience, you know, but the quality of existing. So I think me and the L.A. Giants together, we do that well. And obviously, we always looking for different people that want to march the way we march. But really, I think we fighting for one last generation of, of ghetto children to have a chance at this because it's only a matter of time before it's gentrified. And just like rock and roll in 20 years, it won't be somebody that looked like me and you in hip hop getting any credit. It's just not going to happen. I feel you, bro. And you know what? Me and you the same age. So I definitely feel where you're coming from, man. But just you know, being a lifelong hip hop fan and just seeing how much it changed, man. I just be shaking my head like, bro, this is this is crazy. You got to stand up and not allow the gentrification of hip hop to happen. Don't get me right. wrong. It's the inevitable. But hell, if we can get people that look like us from our ghettos to last one more day, it's worth the stance. You know what I'm saying? So, um Again, man, it's just that time for this conversation to happen, and, and here we are having it. Now, let's talk about another thing, man. It's actually been um, going viral on the internet now. Academics and Saucy Santana, of course, the gay rapper, man, he recently um, got into, you know, a situation where he said he was actually going to put them hands on academics. He also said he was a rape dude. Now, right. academics was actually fearful for getting canceled because he couldn't actually say what he really wanted to say. Um, how would you have handled Saucy Santana had y'all had uh, that type of situation? What a big saucy ass, or he'd have whooped my ass. 
Because all that you going to give me, that's a fight, nigga. And I might body you. I might put you in the bag. You feel me? Like, we for sure going to squabble because there's some confusion about what's happening. So even act crying, and I felt bad for act, but, you know, act pop it at a high level. So eventually somebody might want to test your hands. So him saying he can't say we want to say, you know, what you want to say, some, some, you know, some LGBTQ like you just want to keep taking it to a level. And that's where we at today. They just disrespecting each other. You know what I mean? Like on the, uh, on the internet and they saying things that's up about each other, but it's like, eventually you might need to pass some hands out. And this is one of those moments where this man is, this man is calling you out and he want to fight you and he popping his shit. Now is no more time. Ain't no more. You ain't got to call no woman a hundred. You ain't got to call no hundred men busters. Now you got to step out here and let them hands go. And it's like, ain't nothing to cry about now. Go out there and get a nigga. To, go out there and get a nigga the hands. Let him see. Let us see what you're talking about. This is the best fight you're going to win. You know what I'm saying? So get out here and hand this boy some hands. Now, do you feel like academics would ever take it there? Or or you think he's more comfortable, uh, you know, talking online and all that? I would like to believe he talked too much shit. So he better be able to fight. You know what I mean? I hope he can fight. You know what I'm saying? You, I hope you ain't talking that much shit and you can't fight. So right. I would like to believe, you know, he came from Jamaica. Hopefully he got some hands in his bag. He could pull him out even if he haven't. But you can't be crying talking about you can't say what you want to say. and ain't The talking is done. This nigga say he's going to whoop your ass and you. That's a fight at least. Like my man Pimp C, rest in peace, say a fight come with it. Right. That boy got to smell your cologne, dog, in some places. But, you know, again, he's crying and shit. So it is what it is. I mean, I can imagine, man, if Pimp C was still alive, what he would have to say about oh, Saucy Santana. He'd be devastating. <laughs> yeah, he hey, would be shout out, that, shout out to Saucy, because Saucy is a, definitely a really complex character. I don't quite understand what's going on in that packaging, but it's cool. You know what I mean? If that's what you want to be. But I respect him talking about, like, yeah, I'm a man and I want to throw hands, nigga. I, I, right, I can, right. That's all the nigga came out of him. So whatever you thought he was, he talking about throwing hands. So better stop playing with that man unless you're going to whoop his ass for sure. He, ain't ducking he no don't fame. sound like he's playing to me. He sound like he got hands and he ready to use them. You feel me? So I, I hope the best for Act. I hope Act catch him somewhere in Miami. And 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 you really need to put hands on this man. He talking about he's going to rock and all that. Because if that man right. was talking about me, I'd be on the first thing smoking in Miami, like, bring your ass over here. Let's fight. Real talk, real talk. You need to see. Now, bro, let's let's, let's talk about uh, the album, Cancel This Nuts. You actually address a lot of controversial things, man. It's, it's like the convo just kind of leading into it. Um, sure. You talk about a lot of different controversial things, um, things that's being pushed in the game right now, like the, you know, the nail polish and the toe polish and all that. Now, when you came up uh, with this particular album, were you just sitting back and were you Fed up, like you, you know, saying like you said in one of your records, fed up. Was that kind of how you was feeling? Really, it was just funny. I was just laughing at where the game is at, and I was watching the mainstream and the general consensus just go with it because they were so scared to say something against it. Everybody was worried about Pepsi cutting off their money. Everybody was worried about what community was gonna be mad. And I knew at that point it didn't matter which community. I'm gonna make a hundred jokes about all you motherfuckers, <laughs> and I fight all you mother. So it's all good. And that's really where it came from. It's, I wasn't, it wasn't, you know, I didn't lose no sweat worried about what no other mother were really talking about, but I definitely had a lot of material to make a hundred jokes about. So me, the LA Giants, Irvin Pope, we sat down and we just started working on the records and mm -hmm. we just made sure they was funny. They was able, you can enjoy them. 
and you could laugh at them and truly just have a great time and, and, and a good experience listening to the music. You know what I mean? Even if it's your guilty pleasure or, you know what I mean? If it's something you listen to to escape the, the lameness of, of mainstream culture, you know what I mean? Where it's just lame every day. This is an album you could play and get back into your inner natural space. You know what I mean? Not the false sophistication of where we are today in society. Now, Fed Up, definitely one of my favorite tracks, man. It's got that real West Coast uh, vintage type bang to it, but it was crazy. Uh, actually, I heard about two weeks ago, man, even before yeah. we even set up the interview and I had to play it for my son. I'm like, man, see, this this, this is what I'm talking about right here. And we was just, yeah. you know yeah. what I'm saying? I drove him to work, man. It's a dope ass track. Now, on that particular song, man, you did talk about your mother actually getting 20 years in prison. Yeah. Um, can you talk about that? Like, what was her charges and how did you, like, how did that make you feel when she got locked up? My mom got caught with 10 kilograms of cocaine and seven gallons of PCP. Damn. Going to Philadelphia. She got caught on the 40 in Oklahoma. Um, the crime me, the person that was driving that she was paying $7,000 to, told the police that it was hers. And if the crime me would have just said nothing, they probably would have got 60 months apiece. You know, my mom had priors. My mom was a hustler. She was a registered nurse and had a master's in nursing, but she was a hustler. And the life that they was trying to give her, she just wouldn't accept it. So she would go to every next level to make sure she made enough to take care of her family the way she wanted to. So this last time, you know, she she lost her nursing license because of all the things she did in the past. And now she kind of needed the streets to care for her family. So she got caught up making a move. And like I said, her uh the person she was, her crying me, the person she was riding with that she was paying thousands of dollars to the drive was smoking weed. And when the police pulled her over, they had to check the car and they found the drugs. And because my mom had, you know, a couple arrests in the past, two or three, you know, she went to the feds when I was really young in 92, 91, um, 92 maybe. She went to prison again in 2002. And then this last time, so, it was like, um, it was just tough. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. So they gave her 240 months, career criminal upcharges. Um, and she didn't make it out. She died in 2010. You know what I mean? She didn't make it. And it's tough. You know what I mean? Because this is the life we live. And sometimes we have these crazy consequences. But I, I get upset that even with all of that, she didn't tell. And to watch these men not be accountable. You know, you see the gunners, you see the dudes on the streets, you see these men who get in trouble and take advantage of the same situations. But when it's time to be accountable, they don't want to be accountable. And then watching a mother, you know what I mean, be accountable and stand up and ride out and take whatever punishment she got coming based off the legal system, is it's a that's a frustrating thing to watch. Like I have a special disdain in my in my negative energy for rats. And I mean real rats, not somebody who witnessed a crime, not some regular person who saw a crime and called the police. I mean, people who committed crimes and say, I need to tell on somebody else's crime to not be accountable for my crime. Real, the real definition of snitch. My mom made a choice in this life, you know what I'm saying? And she had to deal with it. That's how it worked. When I made the decision with my brother, family, we, you know, it's nobody's fault. But it's a chicken shit thing when you are part of the crime and it's time for you to be held accountable. And instead of you being held accountable, you decide that this is not the thing. That's what I don't like. It, the man is not responsible for my mom going to prison. My mom is a, stone, a staunch hustler. That's what she going to do. 
But it's another thing when she would have got 60 months if you would have took your part of the crime because you were involved with the crime. You know what I'm saying? But because you decided to help the federal system, they gave my mom 240 months and you walked out. That is some whole ass shit. That's crazy. Would you be interested in maybe doing like a, you know, maybe a, a documentary or, or a movie uh, about the situation? I don't, I don't really nah, know. Because it's such a, uh, it's not even if it's bad or good. I don't know if that's even something people want to hear about. You know what I mean? I don't think people even respect real people no more. Get rich or die trying because, you know, 50 Cent mom was, you know, she was in the streets as well. And that, that was well received. That was 2003. Yeah. Yeah. In 2023, Gunner is selling out arenas at the telling of somebody. So I don't know yeah. if this is the time where, you know, authenticity and, and real human beings are applauded. I think people may think she's stupid. Get back to the album, man. Now, you got a track on there called Something for the Bees. Yeah. Now, you had a line about dudes uh, actually waiting on chicks to actually yeah. propose, man. Um, and also, you know, the unconventional roles that, that men and women are taking in different relationships. In your opinion, uh, what role do you feel defines um, the role of an actual man that's not being portrayed that you would want to see more? I mean, look, whatever everybody want to do. You know what I mean? I'm not, I believe in a man being a protector and a provider. That's how I was mm -hmm. raised. If a man wants to be a nurturer and you want to cook for his old lady and wear an apron in the, in, the, in the kitchen, I'm with that too. That's your thing. But I'm going to make fun of you. Just like <laughs> you can make fun of me. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a very odd thing to see a girl on her knees proposing to a man. Now it's is that, man, is that the man's fault though, or is that the yeah. chick's fault that she got on her knees and did it? I mean, I would if a girl probably got on her knees and proposed to me, I would have walked out. You're like, man, get your ass up, man. You lost your mind. Is she gonna <laughs> hold the door open for me next? Will she want right, to hit me right. from the back next? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, what, how far is this gonna go? She gonna she gonna carry me over there. She gonna carry me over the banners. Like what is happening? Like where are we really going? <laughs> man, that's like Jim Jones and Chrissy. Man, you remember Chrissy? I don't know if you watched that, but a uh, long time ago, man, she proposed to Jim Jones. Man, she got on the knees and did that. Yeah, I feel bad. I know Jim be like, that's crazy, and that's for the rest yeah. of his life. He gonna have to look at me like, fuck. Right. That she won't let it happen again. Now let's talk yeah. about Jim Dandy, bro. Like that was a that was a real yeah. situation. Was that a, a true story? Yeah, but it wasn't at Jim Dandy's. That was happened to me at Louis Burger in the Mob. But Jim Dandy's is a really, really huge chicken place in Los Angeles. It's in notorious Denver Lane Bloodhood. Yeah, I mean mm. Denver Lane is probably the worst and most notorious bloods in Los Angeles. You know, families is pretty bad. Swans is pretty bad. Every bloods in general are some really rough dudes. I the bloods is like the Marines. The Crips is like the Army. The Bloods is like the Marines. I mean, the proud, the few, the bloods. Like, so if you're a real blood, you probably over the top. You a fool. So, what what makes them more like Marines, though? Break it down. Because they're few. You know what I'm saying? So they have mm. to be a little bit more treacherous. You know I mean, it's only a handful of bloods. Like, there's not an equal amount of Crips and Bloods in Los Angeles. There's way more Crips than Bloods. Mm. Like what? Like it's probably seven to one Crips to Bloods. For those that may not have heard that song. Tell us a little um, bit about what happened. At so Jim Dandy's is a story of me going to get chicken or going to get food from a restaurant that's really like this fantastic food place in Los Angeles, but is guarded by this super notorious blood gang. And me as a crip in their community trying to get this food. And I, I go, I think I'm sneaking in to get some food. And when I get in there, some guys walk in and they see me in there and they can recognize that 
I'm a crip and I'm not from over there. And when they go to press my line, I'm in a conflict. Like, how do I deal with this? Do I go over the top and just die over this chicken? You know what I mean? Like, what's the play? And right as it's time to make the decision, the police come in because Jim Dandy freed the, you know, they feed the police for free. And I'm able to get my food and get out of there. You know what I mean? It's a day that I got blessed and lucky and gangbanging. And that's not something that's talked about. Everybody is right. extra tough. But sometimes you get lucky in a bad situation that would be horrible, you know what I'm saying, end up working out by the grace of God. And that was one of those situations. And I talked about it, again, from probably uh, top two at minimum fried chicken place in Los Angeles. It's Jim Dandy's in Louisiana and Golden Birds are the top three fried chicken places in Los Angeles. So it was dope to put that fried chicken place on the map. Now, now, when you went in there, was you, you know what I'm saying, was you dressed like a Crip, man, or were you just like regular I'm clothes? I'm always dressed like a Crip in some way, you know what I mean? Okay. Even if I'm not wearing a bunch of Dickies, I might have some Chucks on with some blue laces. I might have on a blue hat with a W, you know what I mean? It's always something that you're going to know that glasses is a Crip, you know what I mean? It's just how I carry myself. These glasses is blue. I mean, it's going to be some things where you're going to be like, my stance and my posture going to be like, oh, this is a, this is a crib nigga. You know what I'm saying? So we notice each other for sure. Now, speaking of hats, man, like, I, you know, I, heard, I had some homies in L.A. told me a lot of these hats you cannot wear. It don't matter if you a civilian or not. Like, even like a, a, a Florida Marlins or a Miami Heat hat. Is that is that true? You can't wear hats in certain neighborhoods? It get bad. It's, that's not overstated. It's a lot more than colors. The colors mm -hmm. was not as epic as the hats are the hats really mean something um gotcha and for the most part you know most people in the community ain't necessarily really paying attention enough to see who's who so yeah you wear a florida marlins hat you know 52nd and figueroa you might not leave you might leave with some lumps you might leave in the bag you might leave in the ambulance you know what i mean if you wear if you wear an astros hat you know, on Slauson and Van Ayres, you know, sad news might beat you home because these hats represent other things. They represent different communities. So it has, don't nobody watch no damn baseball, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I wear it for the fashion, man. A lot of people uh, in Florida, man, of course, we represent uh, wearing different Florida hats and all that, but that amazed me, man, to see that, you know, just a, a, a hat could get your ass whacked like that. That's it crazy. just mean more, man. That, that F yeah. hat, you know, what's crazy is uh, that particular gang, the 40s, they, they could wear a New York Yankees hat, right, which is a young neighborhood hat. They could wear a Florida Marlins hat with the F that stand for 40. Or they could wear a Brewers hat that got the four fingers, which stand for 40s. And everybody in L.A., if you over around in that area, you know that them niggas is from 40s because they wearing that hat. So all y'all peeping it, man, don't go over there wearing no ball caps, man, if you don't know where yet. <laughs> Just keep it simple with a, a Dodger, a black Dodger L.A. hat. Then you be fine. And be straight. Okay, that's what's up, y'all. So all, all black, that's good? Black Dodger. You start black getting Dodger. too frisky, you can get crazy. Yo. Don't wear black Yankee hat. Don't wear... Don't wear a lot of other, don't wear a black Boston hat. Don't wear just black LA. You be just fine. Where it had to say Florida spelled out on it. <laughs> spelled out. No, no, no logo, no nothing. Just the it's word. Florida. Okay. Yeah. Now, man, let's, let's talk more about these tracks, man. Cause the album is definitely banging. Now on uh, the record us, man, it's a major record. You talk about the amazing accomplishments of us black folks, man. Um, they often get swept under the rug. A lot of people don't know it. A lot of youth don't know some of the things. 
Um, why do you feel like our people can't really embrace how amazing we are, or is it really not our fault that we can't embrace how amazing we are? I just don't think we do the greatest jobs of informing each other what we've done. I think as we know and we learn, we start to realize it empowers us. And it may be it may be a reason that information is being hidden from us. But that's what that song Us was all about. US was all about. It was showing our contributions in America. Like, you know, not only are we worthy, but we are huge contributors to why this country is awesome. You know what I mean? And also, man, um, in Florida, I don't know if you heard about the the governor we got here, man. He he banned Ron, any oh, talk Ron. about slavery or any of that. Ron, Ron. Oh, huh? Ron Ron? Yeah, Ron Ron, man. Oh, Ron Ron is a nut, man. Ron Ron yeah, crazy, bro. man. Ron Ron don't want black people to empower themselves. And right, I get right. it. I mean, I get they take, but I just think that's just intellectually lazy. You know, you should deal with the shame of what your ancestors did. Even if your particular ancestors, yo, somebody that you knew ancestors did that and you benefit from it, so you should actually feel the shame of the benefits you have because of, you know, the oppression these people did. Like if, if if let's say if your next door neighbor went and robbed somebody for a bunch of turkeys and then they gave you a turkey, you know, even though you didn't rob the people for the turkey, you benefit off that robbery. So it should be a bit of shame. And Ron Ron got to understand that, man. He can't be a sucker. You know what I mean? You have some accountability that that kind of gets away from masculinity. You know, even though you're a white man, you got to be a man. It's a man at the end of that. So. Being a man is all about being accountable, and Ron Ron got to do a much better job because of being accountable. So, bro, let's let's switch gears a little bit, man. Now, Charleston White, man, he got attacked today. Um, they say he was asleep in the barbershop. Somebody no. hit him in the head with a gun. Um, I don't believe it. You don't believe it? You think he capped Press. Press. Yeah. Why you say that? Press. I don't know. All these dudes, Will Smith and Jay, this press. Joe Smith yeah. and his wife is press. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm not buying it. Yeah, you got to show me the video. These niggas tape everything. Show me the video where he right. got whopped upside his fucking head. Yeah, nah, for them views till the end, till the end, you know what I mean? These niggas is forward in they they uh they forward in their uh agendas. Now now they also said uh well a couple people on social media mentioned man, he still had on his jewelry so you know, typically if somebody come up and hit you with a gun, man, they probably going to rob you too. And you and they, allegedly they caught him sleeping, so I, I feel you on that, though. It probably was some cap, man, you came up with. Yeah, super cap. Now, a little bit about Kodak Black, man. Did you get a chance to check him out on the Drink Champs? Yeah, yeah. High as hell, looking like he was doing bad. Yeah, man. So how do you, how do you feel about Ray J uh, making that statement? And do you feel like Ray J was right for, you know what I'm saying, allegedly trying to look out for his best interests? I just ain't feeling Kodak ever since he did that weird shit with that boy for that money. You know what I mean? So Kodak is just, I, I worry about him because Kodak didn't strike me as a type of nigga that was for sale. Oh, Florida gosh, you're talking about the 6 9 really situation. For, Florida street niggas ain't really for sale. Florida is some different type of street niggas. You know what I mean? They ain't really right. own no sucker shit historically. So to watch him right. sell his soul for a couple of dollars, like he's going to make a million dollars anyway. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like that money don't mean nothing to you. Like they bought blackness with that. So I, I don't know, man. Um, I worry about Yak, though, man. Yak is a really talented dude. He was my pick as that generation's best guy. Yeah. Um, but I do worry about his health. You know what I mean? But again, that nigga's an adult at this point. You know what I'm saying? And he got to yeah. make his own decisions. And you know, whatever that is, he's going to have to deal with it. Or it's going to deal with him. Yeah, man. Like I, I feel like you can't want more for somebody than they want for themselves, man, especially when they grown. 
Um, it would be unfortunate to see something happen to him, like Juice World or uh, or somebody like that. A Mac I'm just Miller praying for that nigga, man. Like, I, like yeah. I said, I'm just praying for him. As just as a human being, and as a nigga that come from, you know, hope. I think he come from the ghetto like me. So I'm just praying he get it out. He figured it out. But he definitely can't be selling his soul to nobody for no more money. Cause dad, you selling your ass next. <laughs> So, bro, six nine can't get a verse from you, man, for two million. Nah, no, nah, not at all. No, I feel that. I respect that, bro. And I ain't even got, I ain't Kodak. I ain't sitting on no million dollars. But I wouldn't sell that nigga no. What I'm worth is way more than a million dollars. What I got, right. you can't buy. Right. You can't buy it. You feel me? You could buy it for two seconds. This is my life every day. I ain't worried about it every day. You gotta pay for it. It's gonna cost you a million dollars a day, a million dollars a day to be this. You got to go to all them other countries with poor people. You can pay them $5,000 a day. You can't be this. And I'll never be confused on what a man and, and, you know, what this is. Being a man and being able to walk outside and walk in a restaurant and knowing every man that walk in there going to have to respect your mind or they know it's going to come with a fight versus you where you got to pay everybody for validation or a feature from Kodak when that's not worth a million dollars. But you just want to show you could buy a nigga because we come from poor conditions. That nigga mm. could never be me. Feel me? So he could have his millions of dollars. You still a <laughs> You still a snitch. And every right. time your kid's going to look at you and call you a and a snitch, your bitch, every time she get mad at you, going to call you a or a snitch. And if, if a girl get mad at me, she ain't going to do nothing but just not talk to me. So I'm always had that respect everywhere I go. You will never have this respect and you can't pay for it. And it's worth something. Now, That's why all the basketball players who make all that money want to be this. That's why all the rappers who be worth and R&B singers be worth millions want to be this. I ain't never confused. I know what this is. And I and I wear it like a motherfucking jacket. Like a dicky jacket. Now, if you feel like Ray J and uh, Kodak Black get into a squabble, man, who you got on that? Man, you got to pick Ray J because Jack look like he high, man. <laughs> Jack sober up, do some push-ups, burpees, you know, might got to squabble. But Ray J, of course, nigga, man, of course, nigga be having a little squabbles. Mm-hmm. Ray J got to have some squabbles. The way he was talking to Fabulous, he had to have some squabbles. Yeah, yeah, I heard he uh, he put yeah, the hands on Fabulous. I forget about that. Yeah, Ray J might got yeah. some squabbles. Yeah, man, and, and he uh, he rolled with the buzz too, nigga. don't he? Yeah, that nigga from a cold neighborhood. First time I ever got, I the, one of the first, well, one of the only two times I ever got robbed. I was thirteen years old. Some older niggas from his neighborhood robbed me for some potato chips. Damn. Yep, niggas was trying to take my bike. I had a. A dino, I was 13. I had a dino. And that motherfucker was probably a $300 dino, you know. And hey, them dinos ain't cheap, Pigs, that motherfucker. <laughs> me and my kid brother, we was going to see some girls. And I had a backpack with some crunch taters. These old chips, crunch taters. Alligator on the motherfucking bag. <laughs> niggas caught it. Big old niggas. These niggas had to be 20, 22. And they like, what's up with y'all? Y'all little crabs? You feel me? This is Ray J. Hood. And them niggas was talking. We was looking like, hold up. These niggas is huge. We look kids. And he was like, right. hey, what's in this backpack? And he reached the backpack and grabbed it. And he was like, oh, you got some chips? What's up with them bikes? And as soon as he said that, we just turned around and got on. They was chasing us. We was pedaling them motherfuckers getting on. <laughs> they only got the chips in that backpack, but they ain't get that motherfucking dino. <laughs> they ain't get that bite, bro. That, hey, that reminds me story of David too. Boy, man, when the, when the legits ran up on him, man. That's Check crazy. this out, man. Everyone, I ain't won everyone. Some of them, <laughs> nigga got the short end of the stick. But at least I had my dino. They got my chips. They ain't get my bike. I was like, you big old nigga, what y'all want to do with us? You know yeah, I mean? man. They looked at them bikes, boy, with some peddling niggas. <laughs> with some peddling little niggas. Shout out to the shout out to the uh 
to the center views, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, them niggas could have chased us down and killed us, but we got our bikes. Yeah. Them niggas ain't get the bikes. I hope them chips was good, nigga. <laughs> That's all y'all was finna get. Let, let's talk about Say That Then, man. I know, I mean, you probably tired of the song, man, but y'all Say That nah, Then. man, I'm never tired of that song. I, I can't that. thank Problem enough for putting me on that song. That was the first time I ever recorded myself as an artist. I never forget we was in the studio and Problem had that song. He's like, I got the perfect song for you. I came yeah. to the studio. I came up with my verse. I walked around and this is me being out there with Lil Wayne. And so I'm like, I'm coming up with verses in my head. I ain't writing in my phone no more. I'm a man. And he said, yeah, well, you need to. You, oh, that's dope. You came up with your verse in your head. That's the shit. You getting better. Yeah, nigga. You can't do this, nigga. He's like, well, yeah, record your own verse. <laughs> Wait a minute. Lil Wayne know me record his own verse. And that was the first time I recorded my own verse. So shout out to Problem for that. And that song ended up being like his, his own kind of great record. You know what I mean? Through GTA, through people hearing it. I had to add it to my set because it's too important in my career. Oh, yeah. And everybody everybody know it, man. Millions of people yeah. um, playing GTA, man. Still to this day, they still got GTA online going crazy man i mean i'll be playing that shit like every other day that's yeah. my drive-by track man when i get to light somebody hey, ass up it's a good now, one right um, there. Did, did you feel like uh with you being on that record man did that give you more worldwide uh notoriety even more i don't know man i think so i mean but I, i've always been pretty global since 2008 you know what i mean not on a major scale forgive me for sounding arrogant if it sounded that way but since oh, 2008, nah, I've been getting emails from China and Korea, Japan and England and Spain and Germany. And I've been going around the country for the last 15 years. So I think it does add on further and further. But I think it maintains, you know, the interest in it, if Glasses is going to figure it out in a sense past the underground into the mainstream. So I think right. that furthers the journey where they be like, that Glasses, he, he getting close. You know, it's almost there. So... I think that was one of those songs that kept people interested just enough. Like, all right, what this motherfucker got? You know what I'm saying? It kind of, it kind of did help your fan base a little, a little bit more. Just yeah, having, yeah, it, so it registered. You know what I mean? The, um, it registers. People remember it, and you know, people know that song. That's probably a top five glasses Malone song as far as that I'm on. You know what I'm saying? Right. People would know. Yeah, they play it in the game a lot, man. Like, well, you hop in the car and that that shit is banging. It's banging on yeah. there. Yeah. Um, did that did that song did they end up giving you a plaque for that record, bro? No, but I think I was just telling problem we probably need to get that. That'll be my third oh, yeah. plaque. Because I know that song gotta be gold at this point. Yeah, gotta be, bro. Gotta be. That's dope though, man. Big ups to you, major accomplishment, man. I mean, now it's like let's get some of these record business successes, you know, Grammys or you know, plaques, more plaques, more success. You know what I'm saying? More putting on more artists. Shout out to the LA Giants, like the dudes I'm helping and all for the sure. homies, you know what I mean? Trying to push other artists that that really will impact the culture through and yeah shout out to la giants man I, I see that's your that's your crew man you've been helping them um you know throughout the industry and all that man so that's yeah. real major bro and their yeah. and their dad if i'm not mistaken that's play ham, play uh, ham. DJ Quick, yeah. People, right yeah the tall dj okay. quick how to rap original penthouse players clip man i was the biggest dj quick fan man back when i was like 10 11 I so hard, man. <laughs> you know it's funny when i talk to that boy i'll be like man yo ass so hard man i tell you he'd be like glass i'm like man your ass is hard nigga you For real? he is so good you know he's underratedly sneaky really probably one of the best people i ever heard rap in my life and i never trip because he's such a dope producer you don't trip but as just as an mc he's amazing you know what i mean because most For producers sure. that rap 
they just the flow and they'll put in some words. Quick right. still cares, you know, really it like just he's detailed with the shit he's saying, you know what I mean? And he's just dope as I remember uh tonight's tonight, man. That came out what I believe was like 91. And that was that was another one of my cassette tapes, man. Was yep, it 90? It was out in 87, 88 in Compton. When I was Damn. In, yeah, it was it was on a red tape, this underground tape that Quick had. And um I remember it getting played at the dances when I was in elementary or middle school. Like mm. he always was ahead. I think that shaped a lot of G Funk the way we hear it today. Shout out to Hutch because he came up with the title G Funk, but the way that the way we hear G Funk, mm. Quick Tonight is probably the first record that that's those Sonics. You know what I mean? So yeah. those records were doing damage in the late '80s in Compton on the streets. I remember copping that tape, bro. I had to be like 10 or 11, man. I bought it at uh, Family Homecoming, man. I didn't even know what it was. I just saw a dude on there with a Jerry curl. Um, I think the the tape that was out at the time was like a, a brownish color looking tape, yeah. and I played it and. Man, I let my tape rock to the tape pop, bro. I was that's a bad thing. Hey, quick as the name is a badass album. That's a oh, really yeah. good album. Oh, yeah, for really sure, good man. album. Definitely memories, man. Great memories, bro. Yeah. Now, let's talk about man. This uh, Tupac must die. Now, the interesting yeah. thing is, bro, I found out I'm actually related to Tupac, man. He's actually my cousin, his grandma. Uh, she's from Florida, man. Um, uh, her father and my grandfather were cousins. So nice. it was interesting. I just found this out like last month, bro. I'm like, damn, I'm Tupac that's cousin. But it's a good cousin. But, man, to have. Yeah, it's man. I mean, I wish he was around. Have. I wish I would have known yeah. back, you know, but I was always a fan. But let's talk about, you know what I'm saying, a little bit about the song, man, and the sure. video. I love the video. I'm gonna sure. say that, man. The video crazy. I yeah. see the creative uh aspect in it. I don't see why people was pissed, honestly. I, I feel like it was, was hella creative. I, I, I'm starting to understand more why, but you know, that's the burden hip hop has always carried. You know, explaining how the ghetto, how explaining ghetto culture, even morality, you know, right and wrong. And it's like a lot of people feel like Tupac was above reproach to some degree or they felt like that was too far of a punishment for, you know, the wrong that happened. You know what I'm saying? But again, my job is to teach everybody Los Angeles street culture morality, you know, everything about it. And. That's a normal consequence around this mother if you jump on somebody, if you shame somebody's reputation and you don't give them the respect of a fair one, you know what I'm saying, and you shame their reputation like that, they probably going to come back busting. You know what I mean? And so it's a tough out for a fan of Tupac because, you know, his contributions in, 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 in America or worldwide were like, you know, incredible, you know, especially from a hip hop platform. But again, you know, that's the thing that makes street culture, street culture. No man, especially in Los Angeles, no man is above a program. So, you know, it's a sad, tragic ending to a, a really bright light, you know, in, in hip hop. And, and for the rest of the world to see us, a great ambassador, a representation of ghetto life when they would see Tupac, you know, just unbelievably talented, you know, genius and, and really a marketing expert at that point. You know what I'm saying? So. Right. But my job is to teach everybody Los Angeles street urban culture. You know what I mean? And morality is a cornerstone of culture. It's an important aspect. And how we all saw that in real time, how nobody even flinched. Like, damn, I hate he jumped on them niggas. 
you know, we all felt that like, damn, why you jump on them niggas? Right. You know, because we all knew what type of nigga that them niggas was going, you know, we knew they was going to take it to the limit. They was going to push the right. line. So it's a sad situation, but I get why people feel how they felt. But again, you know, NWA explained the police brutality and all the black churches was mad at them. You know, everybody was mad. They felt they was just being assholes because nobody really knew about the police brutality. And eventually you started to learn. And just like this song, every day somebody hits me new and say, hey, man, I didn't really give it a chance, but I understand it now. Like, damn, that's a tough situation. And it's like it is, you know, it's, mm. I get why, you know, Baby Lane had to do what he had to do. And I get why Tupac again, you know, did what he had to do, because these is your guys. They, you know, when you got out of prison, you know, this became the greatest moment of his career. And he was riding with some guys and he was all the way in. So. You know, it, I respect it. And he was a baby. He's 25. Like, yeah. the shit I was doing at 24, 25 was way more up than that. I didn't have the Black Panther side. I had nothing but that side. So, mm. you know, it, it's a it's a tough situation. But I do think Tupac accomplished a lot in that 25 years. I think right. all his goals he hit. And I think at that point, we have his legacy to celebrate. So, And, and you knew, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you knew or, uh, Orlando Anderson as no, well, right? I knew Freddie oh, Dre. Oh, you know who? Freaky Dre, Dre. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. How did you feel about? How did you feel about the the Keefy D uh, getting locked up and all that, man? You man, I pray for the best. You know, going to prison is tough for any man. You know what I'm saying? And homie got a lot of stuff going on with him. He ain't physically in great health, but I mean, look. However, God got these cars going. He gonna have to play his own deck. Can't nobody, you know, can't nobody play his hand for him. So. And it no, seemed like even that little bit of time that he's been in there, man, it already aged him, man. I saw a recent uh, picture of him in court. Dude looking like he ain't even doing good at all, man. Yeah. It's a tough hand, man, but we all got to play the hand we dealt. You know what I mean? And right. I can't do nothing but pray for the best and whatever is right happened. You know what I mean? Whatever is justice and, and that situation happened. Now, let's you know talk I mean? a little bit about uh, Dwight Howard, man. Like, the dude saying he like man meat, man. Now, how... You know what I'm saying? Were you surprised when that information no. came out? When Nobody's you weren't surprised? surprised? Why Nobody's not? surprised. Because we all looked at Dwight Howard a little. We knew he was a little tender. But but even even back in the day when he was balling on the court, man, you ain't... yeah, you thought he you just look at him like, eh, he might be a little off. <laughs> I mean, you no, know, that was funny. He was like, I want that meat. That was funny. Yeah. I was like, this nigga's a pervert. Yeah, that, that that killed me, bro. When they um they leaked those text messages, I, I was I was really in disbelief, man. Granted, I mean people do it, you know, do what they want to do or whatever, but it just it blew my mind. Like I, me personally, I I would have never thought, you know, what I'm saying oh, he was yeah, really thought, talking to dudes like that. We used to think when Kobe ran him out of town, that like, he might be gay. Yeah, people you know, did he say just that. Had things a little too soft for me, and he had these little weird mannerisms. But look, Dwight Howard was a first battle Hall of Fame and one of the best centers to ever play in the NBA, a defensive savant. It don't matter who who meet he want. You feel me? He's still Dwight Howard, and it don't matter what he's doing, man. Dwight Howard is Dwight Howard, and you gonna be in the he'll be in the Hall of Fame, and we are gonna make a hundred jokes about him like we should. <laughs> You know what I mean? So you don't, you don't feel right. like that's gonna uh, affect his legacy at all, man? No, with, no. with all the information coming out? No, no. They just know he's not vegan. <laughs> no, he's not vegan. They might have thought he was vegan at first, cause they ain't vegan, cause like meat. So, but no, nah, so, I think um, the white'll be fine, man. You just gonna make a joke. He got to be okay with us making jokes. He'd be all right. It, it it was crazy, man. That it took. Um, you know him actually getting in trouble with somebody for that to actually come out because I know initially he tried to deny it, 
But then when he figured out, like, hey, I'm finna get sued and all yeah, this. He got a in charge, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's crazy. Like, it's like, you know, we talk about him actually liking me, but it's like, nigga, you might be SVU. Ice-T yeah. might need to arrest your motherfucking ass, man. You, you over here people? You, know, you like the meat and you taking the meat? Like, right, you know, right. You a different breed. And you talking about Saucy man. Santana, right? And it's like, this nigga's the real Saucy Santana. He taking right. the meat from me and this shit, so. Dwight will be all right, man. He in civil court, you know. Yeah. I hope the best for that brother. You know, at the end of the day, he'll be in the Hall of Fame. Man, we're going to make a hundred jokes about you, bro, but we still love you all the same. You know what I mean? You still a brother and we love you all the same, but, you know, you can't be taking people's meat, bro. You can't just, you got to let people give it to you. You know what I mean? No different than, than, than you can't just be taking people's sauces, bro. You got to yeah, get your man. life together. I mean, look, man, whatever happened, I pray for the best for Dwight. You know, I'm sure you'll be in the Hall of Fame. You can't be taking nobody ass, brother. It just <laughs> can't do that. You got to get your life together. You Dwight Howard. I'm sure you can find people to offer you meat, bro. You know, you don't, you shouldn't meat. have to take nobody ass, dog. You Dwight Howard. Somebody will give it to you, bro. You'll be all right. Man, people be getting caught up on IG, man. It's crazy, bro. People be getting caught the hell up. So let's let, let's switch gears a little bit, man. Enough of that meat talk, bro. Uh, you was recently on MC8 uh, podcast. I was another uh fan of MC8 as well, man. Sure. Mr. Gia, um, you mentioned on that particular podcast, man, about Rick Ross and Jeezy, and how you kind of felt like they ain't they weren't really they don't really stand on what they you know what I'm saying what they rap about at all. It's, it's a little bit more complex, you know. I I thought genuinely they were talking about exactly what was going on, but they are entertainers. So mm. they are adding a level of entertainment to it. And I didn't, I wasn't aware. That was so my you, point. So you thought they was like real, like cocaine cowboys? Uh, Hell yeah. <laughs> you name yourself at the Rick Rose. I'm like, shit, you must be real. You know what I mean? Jeezy, right. you're 17, five. And then I thought, oh, I didn't know where you was getting up to 17, five at that time. Yeah, but Pimp C, of, course Pimp C I, of course I believed him. You know what I mean? So yeah. when I thought about it, I was like, ah, oh, they got me. You know what I'm saying? But as I grow, you know, Rick Ross still in my top five. That's what's it up. don't change. I don't need authenticity as a as a way to enjoy your great record. That nigga make fantastic records. I just didn't know he it was bullshit, you know, or which part of it was bullshit. So I thought it was serious. How how did you discover it was bullshit? Was it like being around him? Because I know you got some uh, no uh, no records with them. He's actually Rose. Shout out to Rose. He a real man. That's for sure. Cuz yeah. is a man. He gonna shake everybody's hand and your crew. He's a man. But his rapper image is kind of made more like this kind of glamorous kind of facade. Him as yeah. a man, yeah. that nigga is a solid man. Right. Like, you know, that nigga is a good guy. You know, I fuck with Rose. But as an entertainer, it's put on extra to be entertaining. And I just thought it was real. It's not nothing wrong. You know, when you growing up, you're a kid. And even at that time, when I first heard of Ross, I'm like, I thought it was real. Yeah. Jeezy, I thought it'd be Jeezy like was that, real. Though. Huh? It'd be, it'd be like that. I remember uh, Plies, man, like I was uh, doing stuff in the, in the music biz way back in the day, but Plies, like he, his persona is way different, bro. Like how yeah. he talked, like he college, college educated and all that, but you know, when you hear him on the record, he be like, I'm a real goon. Like, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, it, it is yeah. a persona, man. So I feel so, you on so, that, bro. So, yeah, you just kind of get that lesson and, and mm. it me up. You know, it's like, damn, hold up, this shit. Am I the only real <laughs> dealer in this motherfucker? You, know, you just don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, it sounds like it, bro. You just be like, okay, you know, but that don't take again, it don't take nothing away from Rose Records. Rose Records is still the shit. And that's yeah, what we're gonna is. live it and is. die with. I mean, that nigga sure. records is incredible. His album's great. He don't got a bunch of classic five mic albums, but he got a shitload of four, four and a half. I love that motherfucker, <laughs> man. I love his records, man. I love that motherfucker records. He he really puts you in that in that imaginary kind of situation where you on the beach, you know what I mean? And this mm-hmm. hog being roasted and there's people in mm-hmm. linen. You know, Ross is an amazing talent. Put you put you in that vibe for real. You be in the back of a Maybach eating grapes and shit. Fucking with Ross. He's dope as fuck with that. So much love to cuz that. That's that's fire. Now, now Glass, it's kind of seemed like, man, this happened to you more than a few times, man. Now, you did mention uh, before on, on another platform that Ice Cube was acting kind of crazy when you met dude in, in person. It wasn't man. really him. Uh huh. It wasn't him. I didn't really meet him at first. But okay. it, I thought I was going to meet the Predator. Not him, but it wasn't like, you know, it's a real person behind this. Ice Cube. Mr. No Vaseline. Really much. Yeah, I'm thinking he's going to come out and. It's not our fault. And I had to tell him that. And I had to tell everybody, it's not our fault. Like, mm-hmm. nigga, you set this narrative for us and we believe it. Right. Like, I'm glasses low for real. This ain't no on and off. I'm this way with, you know, if I'm with the kids, if I'm with the adults, this is this one gear. You know, mm-hmm. and for them, you know, it's more than that. They they And that's probably why they are successful, because they create creative kind of examples of what it is. But, you know, you don't know. You know what I mean? And it's, again, even when that situation happened with Cube, it was like, I never talked to him, but when I met him and I was in the vicinity, it just, I thought I was going to meet the Predator. And it just it's, wasn't it's, like it's, that. You met, are, uh, are we there yet? That's who you Yeah, met, you know what I'm saying? I met, and, and it's like, he got bad, but it's like, it's not, I'm not dissing him. You know what I mean? Nigga, mm-hmm. I bought 12 of your albums. I got every album I paid for. That's how much right. I love who you are artistically and what you represent. And but it's just, you know, you you get a shock. You know what I mean? You're like, okay, there's somebody else behind this. And you know, it is what it is. You I got a hard lesson in the music industry about, you know, this is the entertainment business. And it forced me to have to think a little further about, you know, because they set the standards so high on these drug dealing stories, it's like I can't even tell these real drug dealing stories. They just ain't nothing. Right. I'm rapping about these two gallons I sold. Rick Ross and sold 300 birds in one song. Like, God damn, you just fuck. Nigga, I can't lie like that. Niggas might actually think I got the money. And and you and you really living that life and you really telling your truth and you hear these other people like they they fictionalizing everything. Well, it's not even the fictionalized as much as it's so exaggerated. Yeah. Like my little two gallons, that's big, that's a big deal. But Rick Ross just sold 600 birds in one move. <laughs> nigga, you can't top that in no rap song. Because if I go say I sold 700 birds, niggas gonna be like, hey, I niggas gonna, other street niggas gonna call other street niggas like, G sold 700 birds, nigga? Let me ask you, what's up, man? I need a loan. Hold up, bro. That's a rap. Oh, you over there. You know, so it, it's one of those things to where, like, you know, and they took it, you know, Ross took it crazy and Cube took it crazy at that time. But it's, mm. you know, I don't mean no harm to their legacy. It's just a surprise. You don't know this. You really, I be thinking everybody's serious. I'm serious, so I don't know that they are entertaining at a much more entertaining level. You know, it's a t- it's a hundred on a two. 
My shit is an eight on a my shit is an eight on a seven. So did Ice Cube see you like when y'all when y'all met? Yeah, yeah. We you talking. Talking? Was yeah, he kind of looking talking. at you like, man, who this nigga like? You know, not so like- much. Um, I wanted him. So some older homies from the gang that's in the neighborhood wanted him to come out and shake their hands, mm. and he was doing his business. But I'm like, it's other street niggas that want to meet Ice Cube. That just makes sense. If I go to Florida and I'm in, you know, I'm in my, I'm in Miami, I'm in. Open lock and some niggas like we want to meet glasses. I'm finna walk outside. What's up with y'all? I'm finna fraternize with the with the locals in the community, and that's just not everybody. Yeah, so it'd be like that. I remember I met uh Russell Simmons man at a meet and greet. Nigga act like he ain't even want to shake my hand. Man, that dude looked at my man, hand for a minute, bro. Weird. Like, think we've been supporting you all these years. You better <laughs> shake my mother. Hand. He shook everybody else's hand. It came to me. He looked at me. Looked at me. Looked at my hand. And- yeah, what the. I'm like, bro, this and sometimes, and that's what I was telling eight on the podcast. I was like, bro, like, I get it. You know what I mean? You a real person, and and you are from a gang, but you also MC eight, so you got to do a better job of walking that line. You got to right. do a better job because we want to see a wax. Mm-hmm. It ain't our fault, nigga. You you did a good job. We believe. So you know you got to be eight. So shout out to people like Snoop, Ice T, Too Short. You know what I'm saying? Because them niggas come as advertised. Word, word. You won't meet them niggas. They them niggas. Ice <laughs> T right now is still Ice T right now. So, and there's no disrespect to to Cube and none of the other legends. It's, mm. it's all love with all of them. You feel me? But it's just like you just as you a kid coming up and you see this and you really think it's serious and it's much more nuanced and complex than that. But you know you don't know when you coming into the business. Took Dub C to explain it to me. Yeah, I do remember you. Uh, you saying something like Dub C. He had to kind of break it down and, and yeah, kind of let like, you know this is entertainment. You, you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> right. I get it. You know, I get it now. Now, with with all of that happening, man. I mean, you also uh, mentioned uh, before that Dre kind of he don't, you know he stick to more like industry corporate people. He don't really be around hood niggas or nothing like that. Oh, you know, um, Dr. Dre? Yeah. Oh, Dr. Dre told me straight up I don't f- street niggas. He meant what he said. I didn't know he was talking to me. Uh-huh. Well, Dr. J always showed me love, so don't pay that shit no attention. Like, you know, he's always been a good dude to me. And he's a great teacher. You know, he can be a little stiff at times, but he's a he's a good dude. You know what I mean? And and he's really instrumental in me believing that I could succeed in the music business and me changing my life. So, you know, Dr. Dre is always gonna have a special place in my heart and in my career, you know, no matter what, because he really made me believe in myself with something so simple that didn't take nothing from him. So hmm. shout out to Cuz because um, he gave me that when he didn't have to. He a legend for sure. Yeah, now oh, that motherfucker's crazy. That didn't make you feel any type of way, man. Like being a kid listening to NWA, like damn, these niggas weren't really on that. I think uh-huh. the version of them then was probably on that. Yeah, back those then. kids. Yeah, now, I know for sure Easy was on that, and I know Ren is a motherfucking fool. But Yelly and Dre and Cube, they was babies. So, you know, they was young. They probably was tripping and getting in fights and shit and losing their mind. But, you know, these niggas are adults now. Even when right. I met Cube at that point and he came to that record store in 2005, but Cube had to be fucking 36. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And he's a grown ass man who didn't survive all this crazy shit. He lost, you know, outside of anybody personally, he lost from his community, right? Easy, he died of AIDS. Niggas is in prison. Tupac didn't die. Biggie didn't die. Like, who knows how he sees the world at this point? 
Yeah. But again, we not size. I'm a kid at that time, 25 years old. I don't know. I'm thinking this is fucking I just the dime fucking mega. You know what I mean? So again, you know, it's a it's a level of ignorance on my part, you know what I mean? And in all kids' part, because we buy this. We buy this. You know what I mean? We don't know it's entertainment. It's really something we know people like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So he was like that to, to us. And you know, this person has been in the music industry at this point for 18 years. Yeah. He didn't been through hell and back. He didn't probably have motherfuckers betray him and sell him out and fuck his money off and steal money and start fights and try to end his career. People we help hate him and some people love him and family. You know, who knows all of the traumas that this nigga Q been through 18 years of dealing with this shit. So again, at that time, I was just ignorant. I didn't know. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't know what how to deal with it because I'm fresh off the corner selling charm every day and getting in shootouts with the Carver Parks and fighting niggas from different gangs and, you know, and going to jail every week and, you know, trying to make my way out of the community and represent all the niggas correctly. You know what I'm saying? I, I didn't know at that time. And um, it was just tough. It was a tough lesson. But, you know, shit, we here now. Man, it take a big man to, to admit to that, man, because a lot of people, they'll get pissed off. For real, you know, like they'll they'll hold that anger and that animosity inside for a long time, man. So that that's real nah, big of you, man. I just didn't know, man. You know, and and again, I don't think it's about if he's really this or really not. I mean, mm -hmm. he really is a successful nigga who's been successful for eighteen years, making millions of dollars, representing Los Angeles street culture. I don't know yeah. what Cuz been through at this point. I mean, I'm not the same person I was. This is my 15th season as a professional rapper. I'm not the same person I was 14 seasons ago. You know, so again, it's like, you know, now that I get it, and I, and I tell people that. I tell other niggas that's young that they be talking about this nigga ain't that, and this nigga, I'm like, look, man, this is the entertainment business. Like, your job is to entertain. Right. And that's important, you know, and, and Cube has done a, a prolific job at entertaining and also putting on for L.A. street urban culture. And that's really what it's all about. He, nobody's explained it as well as he did. That's you know real. I mean? and, that's, and that's why he's the ambassador that he is to, to this street urban culture shit. You know what I mean? He, like I always say, Ice-T is the god of gangster rap. Uh, uh, Ice Cube is the Moses of gangster rap. And Snoop Dogg is the Jesus of gangster rap. Mm. You know what that's I mean? That's real. Now, with all that, you know what I'm saying, that history, all them, you know what I'm saying, big West Coast legends, man, you did have some kind of views on the new West, man. Like, they style is kind of like Detroit rappers. How do you No, I just think they, they tend to favor Detroit beats. Okay, and I think okay. it's a disservice. It's a disservice to what Detroit niggas do. This is way more than beats. These niggas, Detroit niggas culture is through the roof. Fire. You know, the bus, the get down. Them is some awesome niggas. And it ain't, you just can't emulate them rapping over their beats and doing these kind of mid-level punchlines. It's an insult you know what I mean? It's an insult to what Detroit niggas stand for musically and hip hop. So I really don't like when niggas, it's like trying to emulate a trap nigga. Like there's a yeah. real thing in Atlanta. That's a special movement. That ain't no punk shit. You know what I'm saying? And and you just can't get over the beats and rap like them and think that's what that is. That shit is rooted deep. So I really want people to care more about culture, you know, right, not right. emulating Detroit niggas, not emulating Atlanta niggas, not emulating Florida niggas, not emulating Chicago niggas. That's a right. real thing. That music come from a, a struggle, a different type of place. 
just be yourself. Some of the new music I heard coming from out of LA, you couldn't tell where it was from until you heard, you know, of course, hear them rapping and stuff like that. But it sound like kind of like the Detroit stuff I've been hearing. I was like, damn. Yeah, it's the music. You know, it's, it's YouTube, Detroit type beats. They got the Detroit yeah. type beats. <laughs> Soda Baby yeah, type man. beats. You know what I mean? And they and I get it. Like I hear Soda Baby, I'll be like, man, this shit is fire. You know, I hear all them niggas and be like, man, this shit is dope. But that don't mean I'm finna get on the beat and think I could be Soda Baby or I could be the boy from Flint. Um, um the chubby boy from Flint. I follow him. He always got dope shit. Was it uh was it F F B something? The Pac-Man uh, no, or somebody FB. else? That's a Chicago nigga. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, the nigga from Flint, uh, I forgot his name. It's gonna cuss me out too, cause we got a song. But yeah. them niggas is dope. The Michigan niggas is dope, and you can't just fake they shit. That shit real. That get down is real. That wildness about them, that Detroit, that's the energy. I love that shit, and you can't just emulate. So why do you feel like some of the the newer LA artists are kind of moving away from that traditional West Coast sound that that y'all are pretty much known for, and just hopping on other shit? Just spoiled. We had it too long. Mm. Just had it too long. It feels. Are y'all bored feels, with it though? Y'all y'all bored hearing that that West Coast type music? That I'm not bored. Obviously, I mean to me, it's like a '64 Impala. Like it's mm-hmm. you know it's uh 60 years old, but that motherfucker classic. Yeah, and man. that's how I feel. Everybody else feel about the West Coast. They like them niggas is classic niggas. Uh, uh, gangster rappers classic. You know right. what I mean? It don't never play out. It's like a fucking donk. That shit will never play out. You know what I mean? You just I put got some me one. On I, got, I, got a, uh, I got a 72 dunk, man. Straight yeah, Florida You just put shit, LS man. in that motherfucker. You put some 24s mm-hmm. on that motherfucker. Paint that motherfucker. It don't matter if it came out of 72. That motherfucker going to ride just like some yeah, fresh. Yeah. We, we are the Impalas. We are 64 Impala. We are a dunk. We are all of that. We that shit that's classic. It'll never play out. And, you know, my young partners, they don't get that yet. You know, they they looking at Thug be successful. They looking at uh, uh, all these guys be successful. Like, well, success look like that. It's like them niggas still ain't Snoop Dogg. Right. Them niggas still ain't Ice Cube. So you got to see it that way. You know what I'm saying? And if you don't, it's going to, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be in this mix where you're not going to be able to move the way you want to move. I mean, I, I definitely feel like it's important, um, like you said before, man, like just to have your identity from where you're from, especially being an entertainer, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I guess, you, I mean, it's kind of like a certain look, you know what I'm saying? You got to have or, or a certain style. And I think with stuff intermixing too much, I don't think really really nobody um, pretty much has their identity anymore. That's it's like becoming a, pop. You know, a, a, it's becoming huh? pop and mainstream. Yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? Like, that's what exactly. made hip hop dope. It was a flight. First time I went to Miami, you know what I mean? The first time I went to a Miami club is because I was listening to Luke. The first time I went to the Miami streets is because I was listening to Trick Daddy. First time I went to New Orleans was listening to, to Juvenile, 400 Degrees. First time I went to Marcy Projects was listening to Jay-Z. You know what I mean? Hip-hop was a, was a, was a ticket, was a first-class flight to places you couldn't go at that time. And that's what made it special. Now it's just like everybody just sound like somebody on Instagram. <laughs> Got Instagram lingo, you know, they don't have no nothing that make it special, but that's why towns like Memphis, you know what I mean? Towns like St. Louis with Sexy Red, they're doing well because they culture is so exchange, you know what I mean? Like they don't sound like nobody. Memphis niggas and they sound like Memphis. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we undeniable we get education Memphis. in that. Right. So they I definitely know. got a, a a unique sound and uh also they accent, man. You definitely know yeah. they from there. 
And they holding on to it. I mean, they holding yeah. on to it. They ain't letting it go. You hear somebody like Glorilla, you know, that motherfucker only could be in Memphis. <laughs> you know, so I yeah, love that man. Shit. So, um, man, what's what's next for Glasses Malone, man? I know you got the um the CDs. Which I, I definitely need to get that's that autograph version. Yep. That's at thecrypstore.com. You know, you can okay. buy that at thecrypstore.com. The okay. CD, the cassette, USB, the cassette, the vinyl. It's at thecrypstore.com. But working on this TV show that's going to accent the album, working on the film that's going to accent the album. You know, we just going to different levels. Working on the L.A. Giants. You know what I mean? Really sure. working my ass off on the L.A. Giants and trying to make sure I make that dope and, and really pop up and turn it on his head. You know what I mean? So that's it. Just putting out dope content and putting on for LA street culture and ghettos around the world. Now with the LA giants project, man, y'all, y'all going to dig up DJ quick, man. He got to get on one. Of, he got to get on the track, man. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I mean, <laughs> quick, if quick take the time, you know, obviously you gonna have a masterpiece. Um, shit. I hope. I'm working on it. I'm trying. I, I'm trying. I, I know how quick is, man. I actually ended up meeting him on Clubhouse, man, and we was chopping it up on there, and dude left me on red. I was like, damn, bro. Quick is quick. Just <laughs> He just got to be in the mood for your shit. Yeah. Yeah. He had been in this 30 years. He just got to be in yeah. the mood for your shit. You know what I mean? If he in the mood for your shit, quick been in shit 35 years. He, if he in yeah. the mood for your shit, it's going to happen. If it ain't, it ain't. So it ain't nothing I personal. You know what I mean? You I just got to keep it moving and be like, all right, well, I impress you again. And I'll keep impressing you till I get this one song. And that one song will be worth it, too. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Another West Coast legend. Keep going, bro. And uh, definitely thank you, for, man, for pulling up on the Lionel B Show, man.